Everybody say it with me. It's time to start. There we are. Well, we have a very special guest with us this morning. His name's Pastor Kevin. You're like, hey, that's your name. And I'm like, yeah, it is my name. Isn't it crazy? So you have two Pastor Kevins here this morning. And uh, Pastor Kevin McAnulty is our guest. And he, was, uh, he used to pastor a church in Homestead called Christian Family Worship Center. And he's, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. And so uh, two of you, two of you remember. <laughs> Three. Uh, so uh, he's also the founder of Christian Family uh, International, which is a fellowship of churches. And he's a wonderful guest. And uh, uh, you guys are really going to enjoy him. So we're just going to get out of the way. He's in town. So he was here for something else. And uh, we just seized upon the opportunity to allow him to speak to you guys this morning. So uh, would you guys help me in welcoming him? Say, come on. Hey, man. Thank you. PK 2.0. <laughs> I told the first group, I said, I'm about 10 years older than him. We're both from the Midwest. We both had beautiful families, beautiful wives that keep us in the right direction. And uh, we both love South Florida. But he is 10 years younger, so I was 1.0, and so he's a newer version. So you got the updated edition, 2.0. I'm going to move this out of the way here. you got to acclimate yourself to stages. I'm not a stage preacher much, but uh, in fact, I've about fallen off a couple of them. I jumped off one one time. I stage dove and didn't even want to. I just got too close to the edge. But uh, God wants to still do some mighty things in this region. In fact, when I lived here, I left 14 years ago after pastoring South Florida for 13 years. And I took a church, and we saw it grow from about 125 over the years to about seven, 800 people. And we traveled to the different countries of the world. We were very missions-minded. Uh, many people would go with us on missionary trips. And I've been in 20 countries, I guess, now preaching in Africa, Europe, and South America, Central America. My wife's mother is from Nicaragua. Uh, my family originated somewhere over in Ireland, I think, in Scotland and England, and, and then we have some Cherokee Indian blood. So if I really get excited, you know, I might go on the warpath here today. <laughs> but uh, yes, I have quite a bit of Cherokee in me even. And so I think uh, Pastor Kevin and I are a lot alike in that regards. I think he has ch some Cherokee blood in him. But it is awesome to be here with you. And I travel a lot of places still. We have, I think, 15 churches in the United States that are associated with us that I have like spiritual sons and some of them. And then we have about 60 maybe in Mexico that are associated with us now in many, many cities. In fact, I met this young lady right over here, Selena Butler. I, got, I had the privilege to do their wedding years ago, and she was a little Catholic girl that was investigating a charismatic church that I was preaching in, in Aguas Calientes, which is a city of about two million people thereabouts industrialized city and 
Uh, we had some churches get started there. I had a revival that broke out in 1998 there that was about two weeks long. I was pastoring in South Florida, and it just broke out. I mean, the place filled up every night. It was standing room only. People, about 10 people deep behind the seats. They were backed out into the streets. We had unusual things happen. I prayed for one girl that, uh, two ladies actually, one a 15-year-old girl and one a grown lady for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they both began to prophesy in perfect English. And neither one of them spoke English. And they prophesied over the city of Aguas Calientes. I came back a year later to that city and eight churches were started out of that revival. And so, yes, it was a very exciting um, thing to see happen. God unfold his plan and he marks people. I don't know if, you're, if you knew that you were marked. You are marked, my uh, brother, you, with an anointing on your life. The anointing, the marking, is like he takes some oil or fat or lotion and he smears it all over your face. And it just shines and radiates Jesus Christ and his love and his power. But these uh, young ladies were speaking perfect English. I, I preach in circles. I don't know if anybody else does that. But you'll wonder, is he going to finish that story? And then eventually I do. Maybe by the end of the sermon. But uh, I went back a year later, and this 15-year-old girl uh, came, and she had her eyes closed. She called my name. She said, Pastor Kevin, and she prophesied to me in perfect English. And she turned to our music director at the time. His name is Ken Soltes, and he was at the funeral with me yesterday. I performed a funeral sermon and he blew his trumpet and played some music, along with Charmaine and Elizabeth singing. But uh, Ken, he speaks German. And she turned and prophesied to him in perfect German. And then my sister-in-law, both of them, had gone to language school in Switzerland and had learned to speak French. And my one sister-in-law was there, Loretta, and she turned to her and she prophesied to her in perfect French. And then I had a Cuban youth pastor. She turned to him and prophesied to him, and of course, perfect Spanish, because she spoke Spanish. But how did she know, you know? She had her eyes closed the whole time. This is the power of God. God's power is incredible. And every one of you are potentially dangerous to the enemy's camp. And so, and I'm here, I believe, to announce to you that uh, just like what happened with us down in Naranja Homestead years ago, where we saw God raise up a church, I mean, it grew, the hurricane came, destroyed us, and all of a sudden I was back down to a little group. We were in a tent for six months, rented school buildings. I felt like Moses and the children of Israel. We were just kept moving our tent around. But we eventually built some buildings and we established there and we saw God regrow that church all over again. And young people like uh, Joni, Jody, 
what is going on with my mind this morning? But anyway, Jody, she was part of it with her mother Terry and different ones, and they became part of the worship teams, and people got ordained and traveled. Mickey came in uh, to our church. He wore a white T-shirt and blue jeans and work boots, and he never smiled. He sat back there just his arms crossed all the time with no smile until one day God touched him and filled him with his Holy Spirit and then he was called to the ministry and he ended up going to I think 11 countries now. You see God will mark you and he will call you and he will establish you. You know in fact that's what Jeremiah 33 3 says. It says call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And he will do a vision that is supernatural in your life. He will change your circumstances. Sometimes he'll pick you up and pluck you and plant you in another location, just like he did to me. I, I could have stayed in South Florida the rest of my life. I played golf at least once a week. You know, the weather was good. I played with the kids in a swimming pool. We had wonderful celebrations at our holidays. We had good dramas at Christmas and Easter and things like that. But God had a plan for my life to be in the center of the United States so that I could travel in all different directions. I mean, I even had a prophecy given to me one time. Several things would occur. And then the lady said, and you will even go to Hollywood and preach for me. <clears throat> well, I didn't know anybody in Hollywood. And so I was in North Carolina, and I ordained a young man uh, at a church, Eliezer Hernandez's church. And I, I laid hands on the young man, Jerson Garcia, and he was ordained. And he said, will you come and preach for me sometime? I said, well, sure. I didn't know where he was from. You know, he was a guy connected with Eliezer. And so I went uh, in another year, and I dedicated the new church building that Eliezer had there in Raleigh, Durham. And now we have three churches there that are Spanish, one in Raleigh, one in Durham, and one in Wake Forest. And they're all Spanish churches. I said, Lord, I'm an overseer of a network and half of the churches I go to in the United States speak Spanish. And I said, I am rather handicapped. I'm a slow learner. My wife always said I wouldn't listen, you know. It's hard for your wife to teach you things sometimes. But I understand quite a bit of Spanish. I just can't speak it very well. But anyway, I'm working my way back through the story. So uh, you, you just got to try to follow me. Anyway... When I was in Mexico on this one trip, in the end of the service, you know the funny thing when the Holy Spirit shows you things, Charmaine? I ended up hearing the Lord tell me before a certain service that in a certain section, like eight rows back and three seats over, there would be a man and this would be the disease that he had. And so I told a couple of people, and I told uh, Eliezer, I think Chris Martinez was with me. I told Chris, I don't know if you were uh, there that day, but I told him exactly where this person would be sitting. And so, sure enough, that service 
when I called that person out, they looked and they counted the rows, they counted the seats, and the very disease that the Lord had told me about, that person was sitting in that exact same seat. That's how accurate the Holy Spirit can be when He's speaking to you. You know what? I'm just a basketball coach and a teacher by trade. Uh, I'm nobody extra special. In fact, you know, the English language, I think, is sometimes not my best language. <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I grew up in the Midwest, Mid-South. In fact, the church in Homestead area, they would tell me, because I had about 50% Spanish, they would say, Pastor, you have such an unusual accent. And, you know, being from the other parts of the United States, if you have a Spanish accent, it's different. But I was the one that was different. You know, why would God pick somebody like me and then he picked somebody like Kevin Sutherland to put in a place that has so many different cultures? You know why? Because we listen to the Holy Spirit. The language of the Holy Spirit is power. It's not just tongues. There's a lot of people that will try to speak in tongues. But the real language is the power of Almighty God. And we saw lots of healings. But that night in Aguas Calientes, uh, the thing just blew wide open. We had all kinds of healings take place. And the Lord said, tell Selena and Carlos not to leave. <coughs> and I said that. I said, Selena and Carlos, do not leave the building. And Selena had her hand on the door handle to leave. And she turned around. I don't know if you remember this. Your eyes were like this big around. You were like, me? And I, I said, if your name is Selena, yes. And she came back and I prophesied over her, gave her a wonderful word from the Lord. And I believe that was the beginning of changing your life. She ended up marrying one of the ministers in our network that would travel back and forth with us, you know, to the mission field. God can send you from Miami to Mexico, if that's where your wife is going to be. He sent me from Springfield, Missouri to New Orleans. And that's where I met my wife. She's a beautiful, half Spanish, half Italian girl that's five foot one. She's like a little stick of dynamite. And you know what? Men, listen to me for a minute. The Christmas trees are up here. You need to be thinking about getting your wife something nice for Christmas because when they give you the silent treatment, you're in trouble. <laughs> and my wife has given me the silent treatment a few times, and I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in the doghouse. But uh, Selena found the Lord in a great way. She was hungry for the Holy Spirit, and then Mickey found her. Women, don't you dare. I'm going to talk to the women for a minute, okay? Don't you dare, if you're single, go looking for a man. Are you listening? You let God bring a man that's going to find you. You know, uh, Craig came all the way from where? Ohio or somewhere to find Jody and came to the church. I remember. He looked like a kid. Yeah. Where's he at? Oh, he's gone? Okay, good. I can talk about him. 
<laughs> but when he came, I looked him over, and I thought, he looks like he just came off of Leave it to Beaver. You know, he looked like Wally a little bit, you know. He just looked like a kid. But he found Jody, and they ended up getting married. Now they have a family, and they worship the Lord. They help lead. See, God's got a purpose for everybody. You get marked. You can never get away from it. Once God marks you, my friend, you cannot get away from who He's called you to be. Amen. And you'll never be happy unless you're doing what He's called you to do. And so you see, when I came here to South Florida, God used this place to clean me up, in a sense, and to make me. See, He will make you. You know, people say, well, you know, the, the, you shall know the truth and it will set you free. No, that's not what it says in the Scripture. The Word says, you shall know the truth and it shall make you free. That word make in the original language means to manufacture something. So guess what? Yes, you can be immediately changed in your heart, transformed, you're saved, but then you can go out. I remember my wife got saved, and I don't know if I can say certain things here or not, but I'm leaving on Tuesday, so I'm going to take a risk. When my wife first got saved, I was already a co I was the college and career pastor on the staff of a big church. And my wife came into the group and got saved. And I remember, I just, she was beautiful. I said, you need extra discipleship. <laughs> In fact, we need, to, we need to go to Dunkin' Donuts after church tonight and drink some coffee together and talk. And so we only spent one day away from each other in five months between the time that she got saved and the day that we got married. That's 33 years ago. When God's in it, it will last. He will help you to make it all the way through. But you see, I'll, I'll never forget, she got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. The next day she ordered a mixed drink at her you know, lunch, and she started to taste it and said, oh, I don't need to drink that anymore. She pulled out her cigarettes. Y'all probably didn't know this. Pulled out, she packed, smoked about a pack a day. She pulled out that cigarette, lit that baby up, took a puff. She said, you know what? That just didn't feel right anymore. And she threw the cigarettes away. God delivered her. But now, I got to tell you, it was about a week later, we had a good service at church, and she came out there, and she said, that was a hell of a sermon, honey. I said... Well, he did a good job on the cigarettes and the mixed drinks. But let me tell you, we Christians aren't supposed to talk that way. I said, don't say that about a sermon. She, she you know, I mean, you've got to get cleaned up. He's got to make you free. If you're never free, you won't function. See, he's marked you. What's your name? That's a hard name for me. <laughs> I got to tune my Spanish ear here. Pila? That's close enough. All right. Well, anyway, he's marked you with his anointing. You know? 
and he's established his kingdom in your heart. And he's going to use you. See, are you a grandmother? Not yet? Well, good. If they're, if they're not ready, then let them wait. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in Mexico, by the way, preaching last trip down there. And I was telling how I prayed for people that couldn't have babies, to have babies. And a lot of people have had babies since then. I mean, they'll come up and say, here's that baby that you caused me to have. I said, wait a minute now. <laughs> no, you, yeah. People be standing around. I said, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> I just prayed for you. And you got pregnant. That's a good thing. <laughs> anyway, I lost my train of thought. But I'm 59. I'll catch up with it here in a minute. So... Anyway, God has marked you to be something for his kingdom. And he'll mark your babies as you have your babies too. You dedicate your children to the Lord. My son is a worship leader today. He's preaching for me this morning. He's 25, going to turn 26 this month. He is all over the place. He plays all the instruments. You know what they say, talent skips a generation sometimes. <laughs> Well, I tried. I had drums. I just beat them. He plays them. Yeah. I had a guitar. I learned a few chords. Hank and I used to have a little Christian rock band together. We called the New Wineskins. I was the lead singer, and he was the guitar player. We had a drummer, and we had a bass player, and we would sing in coffee houses. And, uh, you know, not very many people were there. And we didn't attract any extra ones either. And so I ended up getting out of that area, and I got into something I'm better at. But everybody is marked for success. You know, you've got to do the gifts and talents that are inside you. Now, you're probably wondering if I'm ever going to share a scripture. Well, I did. I shared that one. I'm going to put my Bible down and just talk to you, okay? But you need to call unto the Lord. And see what he tells you. See what he shows you. Because he is going to lead you down a path of righteousness. He's going to get you going in the right direction. So that you can fulfill your purpose and destiny in life. And I know your pastor has been sharing a prayer series. I pray the Lord's Prayer every morning. And then when I get done with the Lord's Prayer, I pray the Jabez Prayer. And I pray it over my family, over all my family, over the network, over the church, over my relatives. And then after that, I pray Mark 11, where it talks about faith. Have faith in God, and you can speak to the mountain, and it'll be cast into the sea. And if you'll believe and not doubt, whatever you ask will be granted unto you. Amen? But then there's a little part after that says, and while you stand praying... I said, Lord, how did the writer of that scripture know that I stand up when I pray? Because I do. I walk in the auditorium, I pray, and I walk around, and I shout, and I'll say, I shout hallelujah to the north, hallelujah to the south, hallelujah to the east, hallelujah to the west. I just let it all hang out. You know, I walked in there one day, some of the people here know Mike Johnson. He was a young kid that I baptized in my swimming pool down here in South Florida. 
And I didn't know, he's got a key to the building. And I was doing that, I was shouting, walking around the building. And I was coming through the lobby and I said, Hallelujah! And he was in there and didn't know I was in there, lights were off. He jumped about six foot up in the air. I scared him half to death. But you just enter in to his presence. You cry out to him. You call to him. You listen to him. And get in touch with the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Elisha and Elijah, I'm just going to talk about it. You know, in 1 Kings, Elijah, he was quite a prophet. He had quite an anointing on his life. And I, I felt led to talk about this in this service a little bit for a particular reason. And the reason is because sometimes people have such a great anointing and they flow, but they are standoffish. They get big sometimes. You know what I mean when we say they get big? You can't even get up to shake their hand after they preach. I'll shake your hand. I'll shake both of your hands same time. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got to shake my hand. I guess you know I'm not big. <laughs> but they get so big sometimes, they, they, they rush them out of the building. They'll put them in a limousine or something. You know, they're untouchable. Oh, you watch them on TV. You can't ever get to them. You couldn't call them. You know what I did when I started the Church of Missouri? I had my cell phone up on the sign. Yeah, I got some crazy phone calls too, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was rather humorous sometimes. No, this is not Joe's Bar and Grill. Yeah, this, this is Kevin McAnulty. Anyway, you know, Elijah was a big time operator. But you know what God will do? Lizzie, He will allow you to go through some tough situations. Am I talking to anybody in here today? How about this side over here? Anybody going through some tough stuff? Well, I'm glad you're listening. I'm not sure about that group over there. But anyway. <laughs> so, anyhow, Elijah had a situation where there was a guy named Ahab and Jezebel. And they didn't like him too well because he told it not to rain for a while. And the Lord sent him, he said, go down to the brook Cherith. And he said, go there and I will feed you. I will send the ravens with your food to feed you. And he drank the water out of the brook and he ate what was probably off the king's table. But while that was going on, you know, uh, God was dealing with him. Have you ever just been someplace that seemed like you're on this job? God, when am I ever going to get out of this job and get a different job? Or why do I have to live in this apartment? There's a house two miles away that I really feel like you want me to have one day. And so sometimes, you know, we don't understand the process. But there he was in that brook Cherith. What that place meant, it was called the place of cutting. It was a place of circumcision. And what God was doing, he was circumcising Elijah's heart. He had just seen a mighty thing happen where he caused rain not to rain anymore. The king was scared of him. 
people were afraid of him because his anointing was so powerful. And yet he went to this place in the middle of nowhere, eating whatever came to him. He didn't get to order what he wanted. He just had to eat what came to him. He, you know, his heart was rendered and cut open and God dealt with his heart. And so he was there at that place of cutting. And then eventually the brook dried up and an angel appeared and said, okay, go over here and go to a, a place called Zarephath and there's a widow there that's going to feed you. Well, don't you know that in a, a town or a city that there's probably more than one widow? So he arrives in the gate. Gates are places of judgment. They're places of prophecy because when you get to a gate in your life of decision-making, what do you have to do? You, you have to stop and that gateway, see, this is a gateway right here. This is the capital of Latin America, of all places. And uh, it seemed like God always had me live in these places where there's voodoo and witchcraft and I had to learn to do spiritual warfare. I was in New Orleans, I was wild. I'd go all over witnessing and I took these tracks down to the French Quarter one night and I put a track on a voodoo table. And the guy there, and I said, Gee, and I told him, I said, Jesus loves you. And I was just having fun. He took his pencil and he would not touch it. He flicked that thing off on the street. I picked it up, I slapped it on his table. I said, Jesus loves you. And he flicked that thing off there and he said, get away from me. And so I did, I left. But I've seen a lot of stuff. God will put you in a position where you have to face opposition, where you have to face what might even be considered your enemies. But He will build you a table and present you with a meal in the presence of your enemies. David wrote about that. He will make a place for you in the midst of your enemies. <clears throat> so anyway, Elijah went through this time of transitioning. And what I feel today is that there are people here going through transition. You don't know exactly which way you're headed in some areas of your life. But God has already marked you, possibly since you were in your mother's womb. And He knew you. He knew what you would grow up to be one day. And so Elijah went through this transitioning. And so then God sent him from there after the widow got fed, because when she fed him, she just had a little oil and a little bit of meal. But she obeyed God and made him a little cake, and he ate it. Then he went on his way, and God took him to a cave. And he said, go out in the mouth of the cave. And when he did, of course, you know what happened. There was fire and an earthquake and all this stuff and, and, he's, and the wind. And he said, I'm not in those things. I'm in the still, small voice. See, sometimes we go through stuff and it's so loud in our ears and our being. We don't know what we're going to do. But we have to get still. Earlier in the first service, we talked about being in the secret place. You've got to find your secret place. You've got to learn to get alone with God. 
and seek God. And when you do, He will meet you there. And he met Elijah in that cave. <coughs> and of course he went on. And he ended up throwing his mantle on Elisha. Elisha didn't know that was going to happen. He was a farmer. He was following the oxen. And Elijah threw that mantle. A mantle was like the outer garment, you know, that he'd pull around himself. He threw that thing on him. The anointing hit him. And he went back and kissed his family goodbye, said goodbye to him, and then Elisha was called into the ministry. God can turn your life around in an instant, and you could be a farmer one day and then be an assistant to the main prophet of Israel the next. That's what God can do. He can pluck you up. He plucked me right off of a basketball court. He did. And put me in the ministry. You see, I didn't want to be a pastor. My family's full of preachers. I did not want to be a preacher. So I said, I'm going to help kids. So I became a school teacher. And I thought, this is a good way to minister to people. And I was a baseball coach and a basketball coach. And so on that basketball court, you know what happened? Those young men started to become my church. They'd come tell me, oh, coach, my girlfriend broke up with me. I don't know what I'm going to do. i say, man, get a grip. There's a million fish in the sea. You know, let me pray for you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway, I started pastoring those young men. And some of them became college students. And some became ministers one day. And see, there's something that God puts on your life and you, you don't even know how it comes about. But that's been my whole life, is mentoring and raising up leadership and raising up ministers and pastors and missionaries and evangelists. <clears throat> and I'm here today because I was invited, but also because I'm here to announce to you that that vision... And that anointing on that vision is for this church and is for this pastor. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen because God never lets a vision and a word that He speaks return void. It always does what it was sent for. And I believe that God gave me some keys for this region and I had to leave 14 years ago because God told me to to start another whole centralized uh, ministry and so I could go in different directions and somebody else would be here. Well, I think no matter what happened in the natural, God spiritually had a plan. And I've talked with this pastor and his wife and with Hank and Melly a lot and I just have a sense that I feel a burden lifted off of my shoulders. You ever feel kind of like you didn't finish what you started, but you didn't have the opportunity to? I felt that way for the longest, and now I feel like that burden's lifting off of me. And that I can say, God's got somebody that's going to fulfill the vision. And so when I come in and out now, it's going to be with great joy with no burden on me. And that's exciting to me. 
But you know, Elisha, he went with Elijah. First they were at Gilgal, the place of rolling away the reproach, the stone. So you know what God does in your life? What's your name, hon? What? What's, it, what's your nickname? Josie. Josie. Why didn't you tell me that to begin with? Make it, e make it easy for me, okay, would you? Well, anyway, you know, what he does is when he's working in you and with you, it takes time. And so many people want to go to McDonald's for Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't always operate like McDonald's. He wants to give you sustenance and nourishment and work with you. And it takes time. Jody helped on our worship team down there for years. And now she's the leader. Man, look at that. And now she's helping lead others. You are the leader, right? Okay. <laughs> Making sure. I wasn't out of line there. <laughs> I've said things like that and then they happened, you know. <laughs> but uh, not knowing it, you know. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks and I didn't even know He was speaking. I thought it was just saying something. I've been in the airport with guys like that at times and, and they'll start crying. I'm saying, what are you crying about? Uh, and he said, what you said, just touch me. Elias Aaron was with me in Mexico City one time. He was bawling like a baby. I said, Ellie is there. What is wrong? He said, what you just said touched my heart. And I said, wow, the Holy Spirit is so powerful. But you see, he had Elisha, and he took him to the place of rolling away the reproach. And when you come to Christ, that reproach has rolled away. And you began to become a new creature. And then he went with him to Bethel. Elijah kept telling him, no, you stay here. You know, Elijah was a type that was reclusive. But then he chose Elisha because God told him, throw your mantle on him. Sometimes it's more than you thought it would be when you have to help somebody grow. But he served him for like nine years, I think it was. Helped him in the ministry. And finally, he said, I'm leaving. He says, well, I want a double portion. He said, well, if you want that, you've got to see me leave. So, you know, boy, I tell you what, this is a great day. It really is. And so you go to Bethel, that's called the house of God. That's where an altar was built, and it was named Bethel. And so they went from rolling away the reproach to Bethel, the establishing of a person's walk with God, and then they went to Jericho, which is the place of the perfume and the fruit. It was like an oasis. That's like the Holy Spirit and all the gifts and everything that comes with it. So you see, the Holy Spirit began to move, and he was with him at Jericho, and he had kept telling him, go, go, go. But that's when he asked him, I want the double portion. He said, if you see me leave, you can have it. And so they went to the Jordan River, Elijah put his mantle down, the waters parted, they walked over on dry ground, and then at that point, there he was, and the chariot of fire came down with a whirlwind. And Elijah got on that, and he took off, and he threw the mantle. Elisha 
rent his clothes and said, My father, my father. See, he didn't look at Elijah as Mr. Prophet, as Mr. TBN preacher or somebody like that. You know, I've been on TBN many times. I just don't watch it too much. Yeah. But uh, I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me. But anyhow, Elisha was there and he, then he caught the mantle and he put that mantle on and he got the double portion. You know what a double portion inheritance is? It's the firstborn son and a family in the Middle East would get two parts. They would get double. You remember the prodigal son took his inheritance and he left? and went his merry way and lost it all. And the older son was upset and the dad said, well, everything else is yours. Because he is the older son. He got the double portion. See, there's only two sons, so this one son got one third and he got money. The other son got all the land, the, the houses and the sheep and the cattle and everything else. He was blessed. Well, Elisha got that double portion and he went back to the Jordan River and he's going to try it out. It's like a new car. Somebody gave you a car. Oh, I'm going to try this. And he did that. And the waters parted. And he walked over on dry ground. And then the other sons of the prophets or the ones in prophet school, they saw and they said, the same anointing that was on Elijah is on Elisha now. Guess what? God's got anointing for you. Man, when Brother Ken Summerall, before he passed away, I went to Pensacola. I went to his nursing home. I grabbed his hand. I said, bless me. He had strokes. He couldn't even speak hardly. So he couldn't say anything. He just gripped my hand. And I started blessing myself. Everything that Ken Summerall had ever done in the ministry. And when I was done, he looked at me and he said, Amen! I went back the next day. Both times, same thing happened. When I'd pulled up the first night, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I've been waiting on you. And so some of the things that Brother Summerall did, I'm starting to do. I claim that double portion blessing. Yes. Papa Gorman, I, I claim blessings from him. Yeah. Any of them. Norman Parrish from Central and South America. I stayed in his home. He stayed in my home. His nickname was Mr. Deliverance. I had him bless me. He died at 90-something years old. He'd preach dry as corn shucks. Wasn't hardly even interesting. But people would start getting delivered of demons sitting in the seats. Just set free in their seats. Well, guess what? After these guys start blessing you, things start to come at you. I said, boy, I'm not sure I wanted that one. All these demoniacs coming around me. <laughs> I remember, I don't know if y'all remember, but we had a lady that was delivered to 13 demons in our church down in Homestead. She'd been a lesbian for 25 years, and God set her free. And now she said when she gets married, she wants me to walk her down the aisle says, you're my daddy. She's black. I'm white. She said, you're my white daddy. <laughs> you know, she's a fireball. But what am I telling you today? 
I'm telling you that God's got more than enough anointing. And if you will commit yourself to receive the call of God on your life, He will change you. And He will use you. And He will send you. And I'm telling you, this church, what I believe is they're going to fulfill those visions that God had called me to be a part of when I was here. And we had a great complex down there, a good ministry, and there still can be a great church here in Miami that's going to make a difference in this whole region. I'm not talking about just a good church. I'm talking about a great church that impacts the whole region. And I prophesy that over your pastor and your pastor's wife. And I want you all to come up here because I want to grab your hands. You know, I went to Nigeria one time and I walked the healing line from 6.30 at night to 4.30 in the morning. And it's a little prophet. There had 225,000 people outside that building, 30,000 inside, and they had such miracles I could not even believe them. They were unbelievable miracles. And I met with the guy the next day. He said, how'd you enjoy your time with us? I said, man, this was unbelievable. He said, what would you like? I said, I want to be used in miracles. He said, give me your hand. And so he prayed. And I felt something hit me, go all over me, like a quarter dropping in a Coke machine. And from that day forward, I think I saw something like 12 or 13 blind people healed. And many, many miracles since that day. And many people delivered. And just miraculous signs. We had signs that make you wonder happen. You know, and just unbelievable things. But what I feel led, give me your right hands if you would together. I just feel led to bless you and that that burden will be lifted off of me. Not the burden to pray. I want to pray for you and I want to stand with you. But Lord, I bless this couple. Somebody has to pick up the torch and they have the heart and they have the desire. They even, you know, want to touch the whole area, the whole region. They got a regional vision. And I, Lord, I don't know anybody else and you led me to meet them. And I just love their hearts and they're great people. And I hear their gifts are just outstanding. And I thank you for that. And I feel relieved that there's somebody that can carry a torch in this area and that those visions that were spoken to me for this area will now be fulfilled. And I publicly say this into the atmosphere as there's power in that. There's power in words that you will do it. Yes, you will do it in the name of Jesus Christ and you'll use this family in an awesome way. And I just thank you, Lord. Yeah. Is your daughter here? She isn't. She isn't? My son is. Yeah? Where's he at? Yeah, come on up here, buddy. Yeah, I know. That's what I like about him. Because I don't know that much about him. I was a basketball player. I dunked the ball the last time when I was 50 years old. Oh.
and my cowboy boots. And then I landed. That was the bad thing. Then I walked like this for six months. <laughs> Elias. You know, that in Spanish is what? Elijah? Elias? Is that Elijah in Spanish, though? Yeah. You, it's not a mistake what your name is. And you are never going to be a mistake. You're an awesome man of God in the making. And so I publicly speak it. And don't worry about it. After this, let it happen. You know? My kids, I've watched them. And my son was an awesome athlete. He was on a record-breaking football team. And now he's one of the best praise and worship leaders around and travels, sharing at youth camps and all kinds of things. And I just challenge you, let the marking that God has on your life be fulfilled. And you just be yourself. That's what I worried about. I, I was afraid I'd have to be somebody else to be a preacher. But you know what? I just have as much fun now as I ever had. They say I'm nuts, but I'm screwed onto the right boat. That's right. And his name is Jesus. So you can be yourself, and you let God use you and your talents. And I bless you that you'll go as far as you really want to go in sports. And you let God use that as a platform for the kingdom of God. And I tell you what, once I made up my mind, I was more popular with people than I ever could have dreamed when I yielded completely to the Lord. And He's taken me many places around this world since then. And I bless you today, and I publicly mark you for success in life, whatever area you end up. You might become a businessman that gets to speak to groups of people about Christ also. But God's going to use you in a powerful way. Yeah. I like you. I was a coach. I, you know what I used to do? I used to look on their legs and see if the hair was growing yet. <laughs> see if you're going to grow anymore. <laughs> but great things going to happen. And God's got His hand on your daughter. And she is going to, I see, kind of like going through like a, an opening and squeezing through the opening, kind of like when a, somebody's born. But that's not exactly right. But I see the opening, it's kind of like if you had a hat on backwards, just being cool and hanging out that you couldn't even get the hat through the opening. I mean, everything had to, you know, be shed. You couldn't come through with the old trappings. And God's going to bring her through. There's like a wringing out of a sponge. And I hear the Lord saying, the sponge is almost completely wrung out. There might be one drop, and then the Lord says it's done. And then Isaiah 43, Behold, I do a new thing in her life. And 
and those old things are just dropping away. He says, can you not see it? Even the crazies are going to praise God for what they see happen with her. You know, it's going to be awesome. But your family will be firmly established and be powerful doing their anointings. Yeah. You know, Elias, don't worry. doesn't mean you've got to be a youth pastor in five years. It may not be your calling. You know, you be who you're supposed to be. And no more, no less. What God does, He does it forever. In eternity. And He'll, and nobody can add to it what He's going to do. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, do you guys enjoy Pastor Kevin? Yes. yes? All right. He wants to stick around and minister. So we have two things going on. We have the prophetic team that's going to be ministering. And Pastor Kevin's going to stick around and minister too for a little bit. So we're going to kind of do this. If we have to move chairs back and everything. I'm sorry? We'll just put the prophetic team there too with him. Because he probably can't get to everybody if you all want to stay. I and I, you, those people that felt like they are headed into transition... I feel a real strong feeling about that. If you feel like you're in transition, he's going to minister to those who are in transition. If that word is not on you and you just want a word, we've got the prophetic team. So he's going to minister specifically to people that are having a sense of transition or feel like they're in a state of transition. So that's where, So if that's you, that's you. he's going to help you out. And so here's the deal. That's what I encourage you guys. People go, well, I'm hungry, man. I got to go get, I want to go eat lunch. You know I mean? It's like, why are you guys doing this after service? Why don't you make like a, another appointment? Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know not of right it just depends on what you're hungry for you can get pizza any day of the week man but the gospel and when the spirit of god is moving you need to step into the water okay and so that opportunity does not avail itself as, as, as often as it should. And so the opportunity for you to receive ministry is here today. The prophetic team is here. They're going to minister to you. If you're in a state of transition, Pastor Kevin has a burden to minister to people that are in transition. So I just want to encourage you to stay. You say, well, I have to wait in line. Well, oh, well, you got to wait in line. You got to wait in line at the grocery store, don't you? Right? I don't even know where I was the other day. Oh, I was at, checking out at, at, we were at Michael's. There, Michael's was having like a crazy sale. So um, now I'm telling stories. And I'm waiting in line. It must have took me 20 minutes to get through the line. And I'm like, man, I picked the wrong line. You know? And so, but we have to wait in line. Sometimes you got to wait in line to get what you want. Is that not true? So just be patient. Believe God. Your hunger is what draws the Spirit of God unto you. If you're not hungry and you're just kind of like, meh, hunger draws the Spirit of God. So I want you to know that. So hang out. Prophetic team's going to be over there. Pastor Kevin's going to be over there. They're going to be ministering to you. I have something else I have. I will be here, but I have to be somewhere. So Kevin's going to minister here at the altar at the front. So we're going to leave you here up front. The prophetic team is going to go over there. So if you are on the prophetic team, you know who you are. Just head over there, and there's going to be, uh, and so you just want to hear the Lord speak over your life. You're, you're in a moment of transition. You're hungry for something, whatever. That's the prophetic team for you. And if you're in transition, specifically in transition, okay, you're in a transitional moment, transitional time, transitional place, Pastor Kevin is going to minister to you from the front. All right, are we good with all this? Everybody understand the instructions? Yes. All right, let me bless you, and then we're going to start. 
So, Father, we just release the prophetic anointing. We not only need to release it, it's already here. So, Father, we just activate it and call out increase and cause us to recognize it. Lord, awaken the hunger within the hearts of the people that heaven may be drawn to this place, that your word, God, which does not return void, would be released unto the hearts of the people and change would come. I bless you all in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you, keep you, may cause his face to shine upon you, may he be gracious to you, and may you forever live in his favor and in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. If you're leaving, you can leave. But if you're here, hang out, find your place, and let's just go for it. All right.